Hello, and no matter what season of life you are in, there is hope. Welcome to our daily broadcast, Hope for Your Heart. At this time, I would like to introduce Senior Pastor Calvin Corbett from Hickory Ridge Community Church in Chesapeake, Virginia, who has an encouraging message just for you. Hello, and welcome to Hope for Your Heart. We are going through a Christmas series now that we're calling The Gifts of Christmas. And yesterday, we looked at the gift of truth, and we looked at how Jesus expressed truth using personality, using presence, using uh, the, uh, the gift of forgiveness, and how he touched lives. Today, we want to look at the second gift of Christmas, and that is the gift of peace. And in Luke chapter 2, as you know, we have the Christmas story. And I know that this is a very busy time for you. And as you're going, uh, it's maybe sitting in traffic right now, listening to this broadcast, you're saying, I don't have a whole lot of peace right now. My life is filled with chaos. Well, I'm glad you're tuning in today. And uh, we're going to try to help you out as you navigate uh, through this crazy holiday season uh, that you will have some peace. Luke chapter 2, verse 13. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast of host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and peace on earth to all those in whom God is pleased. Now, as we look at this particular passage here, we see that this passage is talking at a time in Israel's history where there was nothing about peace. Their lives were not filled with peace, They were living as hostages almost. Uh, They were without hope. They were looking for the Messiah, but it didn't look like he was coming. As you look at how it was specifically written, it was specifically written to the tribe of Naphtali. The tribe of Naphtali had its ups and it had its downs. Historically, it was a tribe of incomplete obedience. It had shades of cowardice within this tribe. It also had some shades of bravery. Guys like Gideon uh, that we studied a few weeks ago. It had a godly support of a guy by the name of King David. Probably the greatest lesson that we can take from Naphtali is that God exalts the humble. Naphtali as a part of Galilee was despised. The Nazareth was the lowest of the low. Uh, The Nazareth was Jesus' hometown. Galilee was exactly where Jesus chose for his earthly ministry to take place. For our sakes, he became despised and rejected, we learn from Isaiah 53. The king of kings had the most unpretentious start. He was truly humble in heart. This is how it's put together in Isaiah. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulon and the land of Naphtali, but in the future, he will honor Galilee of all the nations. By the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. Of those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as it was in Midianites' defeat, that's the story of Gideon that we covered a couple of weeks ago, battle belongs to the Lord. You have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood was destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. And here's the verse of peace 
in hope. Isaiah 9, verse 6, For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest upon his shoulders. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. In a world filled with war and violence, it's difficult to see how Jesus could be all-powerful God and act in human history to be the embodiment of peace. But physical safety and political harmony don't necessarily reflect the kind of peace that he is talking about. The Hebrew word for peace is shalom. It is used often in a reference to the appearance of calm and tranquility in groups or in nations. The Greek word means unity and of one accord. Paul uses this eerie description of the objective of the New Testament church. But the deeper, more foundational meaning of peace is this spiritual harmony brought about by an individual who has been restored with God. You see, in our sinful nature, we are enemies of God, we learn in Romans chapter 5. But God demonstrated his love for us, and that while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us in Romans 5.8. But because of Christ's sacrifice, we are restored to a relationship of peace with God, we learn from Romans 5.1. This is that deep, abiding peace that transcends all human understanding. It's a peace between our hearts and the Creator that nobody can take away. It is the ultimate fulfillment of the work that Christ did as he is referred to as the Prince of Peace. We say, well, all that sounds pretty good, but why do I not feel peace today? Well, let's look at a couple of things quickly that will rob us or steal our peace. Here's the first one, strife. Strife along Christmas vacation. Strife within the home. I wrote these words down. This is what causes strife. Critical Carol, Controlling Kevin, Marty Mary, Passive-Aggressive Paula, Inappropriate Peter, Whining Walt, Better Than Anybody Else Bart, and Grandpa Grinch. Strife can develop when there's a difference of opinion, and that difference of opinion becomes the driving force in that relationship. Strife is always accompanied by pride and a spirit that is not teachable. When both parties have that, there is strife. Proverbs 13 says, Where there is strife, there is pride. But wisdom is found in those who take advice. When somebody refuses to consider the viewpoint or the demands of somebody else, there is going to be strife. Somebody bent on strife will not allow compromise, negotiation, or they have no humility. Strife alienates friends, divides friends, and destroys churches. I want you to know that Christ is not the author of strife. There's another thing that can cause us to be losing our peace, and that is worry and fear. The big to-do list that you have, the Christmas shopping, uh, the parades, the presents. I know we're real busy right now as we're preparing a float for the annual Christmas parade, and there's a lot of things happening. Isn't it amazing in the month of December? Uh, You have more parties that you attend uh, in December than you do all the rest of the year, and we squeeze it into one month. Worry and fear can rob us of this whole concept of being at peace. In 1868, Pastor Philip Brooks needed a song for the song, uh, the Christmas Eve service that was going to be held at his church. Not satisfied with any of the other songs that he had heard, Brooks decided to go ahead and write a song 
himself. Inspired by a Christmas Eve service that he had attended in Bethlehem years before, during a Holy Land trip, Brooks sat down and he wrote the song, O Little Town of Bethlehem. Not only did the children in the church sing about that and enjoy that song, the Philadelphia pastor has put it on a top hit list for most beloved Christmas songs for over 15 decades. I think the message to him is very powerful. I've always been struck by the phrase at the end of the first verse, the hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. The idea that Jesus Christ comforts our deepest fears and provides us with our greatest hope is an amazing and a powerful message. As you read the words of this hymn, are reminded of the words of this hymn, take comfort in the fact that our God offers hope. Here are these words to this song. O little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie. Above thy deep and dreamless sleep, the silent stars go by. Yet in thy dark street shineth the everlasting light. The hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. For Christ is born of Mary and gathered all above. While mortars sleep and angels keep their watch on wandering love. O morning stars together proclaim the holy birth. And praises sing to the God the King and peace to men on earth. How silently, how silently the wondrous gift is given. So God imparts to human hearts the blessings of his heaven. No heir may hear his coming, but in this world of sin, where meek souls will receive him, still the dear Christ enters in. O holy child of Bethlehem, descend to us, we pray. Cast out our sin and enter in. Be born in us today. We hear the Christmas angels, the great glad tidings tell. O come to us, abide with us, our Lord Emmanuel. Today you may be overwhelmed with strife, maybe overwhelmed with worry, and it's causing you to lose your peace. I think there's another thing that will cause us to lose our peace, and that is debt. We are overwhelmed with debt. Debt, that annual reminder that you still don't have a plan. Christmas reminds us that the year is almost over and we have debt that is not paid. 50% of us do not have money set aside for Christmas, but we're going to go into debt for Christmas. Did you realize that most Americans have no money set aside in their savings account? Christmas means digging deeper into debt. 53% of church-going Christians have not given to their church in the last month. Not only that, but church giving has not exceeded 3% as a portion of income in over 40 years. Church members so many times want to give, but they're so burdened by personal debt that tithing is difficult. In the early 1960s, the average American debt was less than $4,000. Now it's a stunning $137,000. That includes credit card debts and mortgages and loans and student loans. In 1967, the average price of a home was $22,200. My mom and dad bought their house in the early 60s for $15,000. Today, the medium home price uh, of a home in the United States is over $200,000. That's an 816% increase over 50 years. In other words, things are just plain more expensive these days. Education and housing and food and transportation, medical costs have all soared. 
Paul charges us in Romans chapter 13, verse 8, that we're to owe no man anything but love. You may be losing peace this Christmas season because you're head over heels into debt. There's one other reason I think that we are filled and lack peace this holiday season is because of guilt. Past regrets. Wish I had done a better job. Maybe not happy as the job uh, that, that you're doing as a parent. Depressed, pushed down. Maybe you have some depression, a chemical imbalance. Maybe you have these long periods of stress and you're feeling guilty that you are feeling so depressed for so long. It's a struggle getting past the past. Spiritual depression. We know in our hearts and heart about we should do the right thing, but we don't. The psalmist put it this way in Psalm 38, verse 4. My guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. Guilt is one of those good-bad things, I guess you could say. It's good to feel guilty when you've done something wrong because it's just that guilt that will push you to make it right. You realize I've made a mistake. You feel guilty about it and say, I'm not going to do that anymore. It's kind of like pain. Pain is God's way of saying there's a problem here that must be taken care of. One of the reasons we feel so guilty is because we're guilty. We've done things we ought not to do. On the other hand, guilt is a bad thing. When it takes you on a long trip, it prevents you from moving forward. I like the story of the little boy who instinctively answered the telephone and whispered, Hello. The voice on the other end, uh, Hello, is your mother home? The little guy answered, Yeah, but she's busy. Is your father home? Yeah, but he's busy too. Well, is there any adult in the house that I might talk to? Yeah, there's a policeman and a fireman. May I speak to one of them? No, they're busy too. Well, what's everybody so busy doing? The little boy whispered back, they're all looking for me. (laughs) So when you think about that, we are all guilty. We instinctively hide. I think it's woven into our genes somehow. We hide. Adam and Eve began the game of hide and seek, and we have been playing that game. You see, God's not hiding from us. He has revealed himself through creation. He has revealed himself through our conscience. He's not hiding from us. We are hiding from him. Well, what is this gift of peace that we're talking about today? How can I have peace? I think the best way to have peace is by glorifying God. And as we glorify God in every part of our lives, we will discover there's peace in these areas that we have lost hope in. First is relational peace. Maybe you can get some peace in your relationships if you will begin to reach out in forgiveness. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus says this, If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. Right in the middle of the model prayer, Jesus reminds us of this eternal truth, that as we forgive others, we receive forgiveness. You can be at peace with others as you give them forgiveness. Jesus tells us to love our enemies, to pray for those who spitefully hurt us. How can we do that? We can do that by not keeping records of wrong. Terry Anderson was an AP reporter who spent 2,455 days, that's seven years, in bondage as a hostage. He was captured as a hostage 
and was asked how he kept himself from not holding a grudge against those who kept him captive. He says, you have to make a choice. You can hug the grudge or you can hug forgiveness, but you can't change what happens. You can change how you respond. James chapter 3, verse 17 says, But wisdom from above is peace-loving, gentle at all times, and willing to yield to others. It is filled with mercy. Offering up forgiveness. You don't have to wait for somebody to come to you to give them forgiveness. They may never come to you. They may never receive that forgiveness, but you can give it to them anyway. Romans 12, 18 tells us, If it is possible, as much as it depends upon you, live at peace with everyone. As it's possible for me, on my part, my slice of the pie, I'm going to live at peace with others, and I can only do that if I release them through forgiveness. Here's the second way I think that we can have peace, and that is we can have emotional peace, and that is found in trust. Isaiah 26.3 says, For you will keep them in perfect peace, those who trust you, all those whose thoughts are fixed on you. In other words, as we focus our thoughts on what God has done for us, we begin to experience emotional peace. So what is your mind fixed on today? When the enemy seems to be bigger than the solution, who do you trust? The word translated trust in the Bible literally means a bold, confident, security action based upon the fact that you feel secure. You have that confidence in what you are facing. Trust is not exactly the same as faith. Faith is a gift of God. Trust is what we do because we have received that faith. Because I believe that God can take care of my needs, I trust that he will do it. Trust is believing in the promises of God in all of our circumstances, even those where the evidence seems to be contrary. My faith overrides my lack of trust. I still trust God, even though I don't see how he's going to give me what he promised me. You know, our mind is a tremendous machine. Whatever you feed it, it will produce. Why? Why did this happen? Demanding an explanation does not always bring about that release of our mind. Our mind can make a decision whether to believe something or to reject something. So let the peace that comes from God control your thoughts. This is what Paul tells us to do in Colossians chapter 3. The peace that comes from God, let that control your thoughts. Invite them into your heart. Invite them into your head. Your heart bone is connected to your head bone. Paul tells us in Philippians chapter 4, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. If something is big enough to cause you to worry about it, it ought to be big enough to cause you to pray about it. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all that He has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which transcends anything that you can ever understand. His peace will guard your heart and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. You know, so many times we think, if I only knew why this was happening, I would feel better. I could be at peace. However, explanations don't provide peace. The presence of God is what brings peace. I have a son that has autism. I've tried to figure out why he has autism. They've discovered a few possible reasons for why he has autism. But knowing those reasons 
does not change the fact that he has autism. I have peace with the fact that he has autism because God has given me his peace in his presence in the middle of that obstacle or that opportunity that we call autism. Explanations don't provide peace. Presence of God provides peace. That's why we say the serenity prayer, that we can see things that uh, we are blinded to and that God will give us peace in the midst of chaos all around us. Well, there's a third area in our lives that we can have peace, and that is we can have financial peace, and that is found simply by following God's plans. Generosity. The amount doesn't count. Knowing everything about a person's finances, it doesn't matter how much you make. You can be a generous person. Everyone can be generous. Rich people can be generous. Rich people are rich. Generous people are generous. There is no contradiction between being rich and being generous. In Luke chapter 16, verse 11, we say uh, Jesus talking about wealth and talking about true riches. And he gives this analogy and he says, if you're not trustworthy in worldly wealth and worldly riches, who will trust you with true riches? In other words, God gives us riches as a way of showing how we manage it. If you manage your wealth well, you are trusting that God will give you true riches in heaven. Uh, Jesus put it like this, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be added unto you. He also put it this way in Luke chapter 12. He says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So he says, follow the money. Where is your treasure? That will show you where your heart is. Now, the majority of our financial problems stem from bad habits. Bad habits produced from bad hearts. When you think about giving, there's a muscle that we use when we give. And it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. And then as we give, God blesses us in return. Jesus put it this way in Luke 6, 38. Give, and it shall be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken over, running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will also be measured to you. So God sends more money our way when we're faithful to obey, God gives us more spiritual insight as we're faithful to obey. The last point we've got to cover quickly is the spiritual peace that is found in faith. When you exercise faith, you make better decisions, you enjoy more of life, you can avoid the drama that comes with life, and uh, you realize that life is connected. In Ephesians 5, we're told to be careful then how we live our lives. We're to live our lives as wise people, not unwise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. So what are we learning here? We're to seize the opportunities spiritually to make the most use of our time because the days are evil. So don't be foolish. Understand what the Lord's will is. Paul says, don't get drunk with wine. That leads to debauchery. That leads to a wild lifestyle. But instead, walk with precision, making the best use of your time. Better decisions, fewer regrets. I close with John 14, 27. Jesus says, I'm leaving you with a gift. Peace of mind and peace I give to you. It's a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled. Don't be afraid. I want you to know you can experience peace this holiday season. You can experience that peace that passes all understanding. Would you turn your faith over to Christ? Would you submit your financial plans to Him? 
Would you allow him to uh, extend forgiveness to those in your in your circle of influence in which that has been broken? You can have emotional peace by trusting him. I pray that you have a great day as you drive home today. God bless you. Thank you for tuning in. As we close out our broadcast uh, today, we are just days away from Christmas, and I want to encourage you to find a place to worship. You think about Christmas and you think about all that happens around Christmas, maybe this is the time of renewal for you. Maybe this is the time for you to get back on the right track. My prayer for you today is that you will use this Christmas season and allow God to speak to you in a very special way. One author said that God whispers to us in our pleasures, but he shouts to us in our pain. Maybe this Christmas season you're going through a very difficult time. Maybe it's the first Christmas that you have going through without a loved one. Maybe you went through a divorce this year. I'm praying that this Christmas will be an opportunity for you to have a time of renewal. It's a new beginning for you. We're getting at the end of this year, and there's new opportunities that are going to place before you in 2020. And so why don't you just take this time and say, let's be intentional about getting back on the right track. Let's get back into the church. Let's get back under the protection of God's family. Let's get back under the uh, sound preaching of the Word of God. Let's get back uh, in serving God in our church. Let's be generous in giving so that the gospel can be spread not only to our local community, but throughout the world. Christmas is a time where we experience the new birth because of what Christ has done for us. I strongly encourage you to be involved in a local church where you can come along and help your pastor, uh, help him serve as he reaches his community with the gospel of Christ. You will never regret being part of the family of God. I hope that you have a very blessed Christmas. I hope that you have a very prosperous and happy new year. And I pray that as you begin this new year, that you'll put Christ first in everything in your life. God bless you for listening. Merry Christmas.